best at ICO Alert, the trusted ICO discovery platform. Visit ICOalert.com, the most comprehensive calendar of all active and upcoming ICOs to discover the latest projects and opportunities like EOS.io. And I'm here today with the founder of ICO Alert and CEO of Cypherglass, Rob Finch. Thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Everything EOS. We've made it in eight episodes now, which means a little bit more than eight weeks ago, we started talking about all this, educating everybody on EOS. Um, we sincerely appreciate the feedback and comments that we get about the show, and we hope you continue to share your thoughts. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, let us know by liking, subscribing, or following the podcast on YouTube, iTunes, or SoundCloud. On today's podcast, we're going to be detailing the latest news and announcements around EOS.io including the mainnet launch happening very soon, some recent FUD, some bug bounty news, and Rob's big bullish bet on the EOS token price that has everyone buzzing in all of the Telegram chat. <laughs> now, before we get started, I do have to mention that this podcast is not sponsored. We're just two excited token holders, members of the EOS community, who do hold EOS tokens ourselves. Uh, this is not to be construed as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. Just two people that are passionate about this open source technology. All right, a big, big week for EOS, a big day today. Uh, the snapshot is and token freeze is coming up in a couple of hours now. Yeah. How about that? Um, the big news this week, at least around here at ICO, it's Rob's big bullish bet on EOS that he made public <laughs> recently. Um, Rob, why don't, why don't you tell the story for people who, who don't know about it? And I'll, I'll back it up because I was there for the bet originally occurring months ago. Yeah, so it's the million dollar EOS bet. And you can learn more about it if you just search million dollar EOS bet on YouTube. Um, but Q, one of the, the people who works here at ICO Alert, um, and I have been talking about EOS back and forth, you know, I'm always super bullish. He tries to kind of play devil's advocate and like say, oh, but what about this? What about that? So long story short, we made a bet. And the bet goes like this. If EOS passes $1,000 USD per token uh, by the end of this year, um, Q owes me a million dollars payable in EOS. If not, I owe Q whatever a thousand EOS times the price is. So if it hits $500, I owe Q half a million dollars. This, this bet happened uh, months ago. I think it was uh, during Rob's original bullish phase. Whenever we went on that first run up to eighteen dollars, and then maybe came back to around fourteen. Yeah, and I, I think that's around the time whenever the bet was made. And I'll be honest, I think it's a ridiculous bet. <laughs> <laughs> I am more bullish than most on EOS, and I I, I, I don't we'll know see. if a thousand's attainable even in the future. But if it is. The, the timeline's not in alignment, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I, I think it could happen in maybe a couple of years, and, and that's going to be dependent on the entire market cap of all cryptocurrencies in increasing. We'll see. But um, in, in case someone listening doesn't want to watch the video, why don't you give the TLDR on your reasoning behind being so bullish on this valuation? Yeah, there are two main reasons. One is what I call the airdrop feedback loop. So airdrops are really becoming a new method of funding, meaning you can go out and airdrop tokens, but keep some for yourself, um, and actually in the process end up raising a bunch of money when the market values that token. So EOSTAC did this, they raised about $45 million. Um, but the, the feedback loop part of this is that when a developer like EOSTAC comes out and airdrops and raises a bunch of money, all of these other developers who are looking at them, maybe they were going to run ICOs, maybe they were going to go and try and get VC funding, suddenly this airdrop model is very appealing. And then they're going to airdrop to EOS token holders, which means you get another token for every EOS token you have. Um, then developer C sees that developer A and B are doing really well and got a bunch of users from airdropping and got a bunch of money from it, and they start airdropping. So it's, it's kind of this feedback loop where developers see the success of other developers and continue to airdrop. And what that's going to 
result in, in my opinion, is more than a thousand airdrops this year, and probably thousands more next year, where the market is kind of valuing these tokens um, at different prices depending on what they think they're worth. And then the other point is float. So one of the unique components of the EOS network is that you have to stake tokens to vote for block producers, but you also have to stake tokens as a DAP developer to uh, run your DAP. It basically gives you a fixed amount of bandwidth on the DAP forever. So it's an ownership model versus rental model. So what that basically means is that over time, uh, I think a huge percentage of the float, maybe even 90%, could be locked up, which means the actual supply that's available to even sell on exchanges could be 10% of what it is now. Yeah, so I, I agree with all of that. It, it, it's all going to uh, lock up tokens, decrease float, increase token price. It's just the numbers, man, and I think that's yeah. You, you, you've become like the ultimate Twitter troll, and you, I don't even know if you did it on purpose or not. But you're like that guy that just comes into the channel to either spread fud or spread like FOMO. Yeah, you just come in and you, but you got everyone bullish, and I like that. Is yeah. everyone super bullish? Because whether whether it hits a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars, everyone's going to be happy. Yeah, I think it's hard to see a thousand dollar EOS from this perspective. Like when it's eleven or twelve dollars, it's like we're one point two percent of the way there. How is this ever going to happen? But I think as we get kind of this waterfall moment into EOS after launch, uh, I think it's going to slowly become more and more attainable for a lot of people. When we pass a hundred and two hundred and three hundred, they're going to go, "Oh, wait a minute, maybe this thousand dollar bet will actually happen." But the only way to to find out is to wait. You've got mail. Oh, I, I just got a random message here from Q. Actually, it says. Tell Rob I can't wait to take his money. <laughs> yeah, That's so, good. so Q, Q's, Q's loving this because, it, I mean, in all honesty, he's got a really good chance of winning this bet, but yeah. he, he really hopes that the, the token price hits $900, $950. Yeah, that's so how he gets the max. He, he, he's the one that's going to be making the millions or almost a million dollars. You know, and somebody pointed out to me, because I was mentioning, oh, Ethereum went from less than $10 to more than 1000 Obviously, it has 10% of the flow to EOS um, last year, but they corrected me and said, no, actually, Ethereum didn't pass 1000 until January 4th. So it was four days too late. It passed a thousand. So maybe that'll happen with EOS. All right. So th that's your stuff. There, there's there's bigger uh, fish to fry here with the main net launch. Um, so th there there was a blog post that kind of walks through the, the the phases of how how this rollout's going to happen. Um, you're definitely more familiar with it than I. If you if you want to kind of give everyone an idea of what to expect over the next couple of days. Yeah. So all the different block producers, ourselves included at Cypherglass, have sort of teamed up to create what's called the EOS Mainnet Launch Group or the EMLG. And the EOS Mainnet Launch Group is the one that are basically coming together and saying, Hey, we're going to launch one EOS Mainnet. We don't want a bunch of different regional forks like one in Asia. One in the rest of the world. We want to make one EOS. It's better for everybody. Everybody's incentivized to get along. Um, so how this process is going to work is that shortly after the token freeze, which happens uh, later today, which is Friday, June 1st, um, after that token freeze happens, you won't be able to move your ERC-20 tokens anymore. So make sure you have them registered or put them on an exchange that will register them for you. Um, after that freeze happens, we'll go through what's called a BIOS boot up process. It's sort of like starting up your computer for the first time. They're going to launch the chain distribute all the tokens based on that token-free snapshot, um, and then pause the chain. And the reason why they pause the chain is to go through a 48-hour validation period, where we're all going to go in and check, basically make sure that that Genesis snapshot of everybody's tokens were imported correctly, make sure there are no critical bugs, um, and then at the end of that 48-hour period, the chain will actually go live. And once 15% of people come in and basically vote for a block producer, the chain will unlock and we'll be good to go.
So at at what point are, are people going to be able to take their new, new wallet keys that they generated through the ES.io website, uh, map them to their Ethereum keys? When are they going to be able to use those keys to, to vote before the tokens become transferable? And af- where, where do they go to vote? So it's either going to be right before or right after the validation period. It seems to me, at least my understanding of it right now, is you'll be able to do it during that validation period. So what you would need to do is download the, uh, I believe it's a Chrome extension, Scatter. It's basically the MetaMask equivalent for EOS. MetaMask is a wallet that lets you interact with Ethereum accounts. Um, you'll import your private key into Scatter, and then you'll go to one of the many voting portals. One of the, the community ones is EOSPortal.io, and you'll be able to vote for your different block producers there. So that 15% unlock rule that I'm talking about basically requires... 150 million of the 1 billion tokens to be voted towards a block producer in order for the chain to unlock and let everybody send their tokens. Yeah, so that's how I understood it, is after uh, midnight tonight, uh, Universal Standard Time, all tokens are frozen. You can no longer transfer them out of whatever wallet they're currently sitting in. If they're they're in an exchange, they're handling it. I know Binance already locked their withdrawals and uh, deposits. Uh, Bitfinex is doing it soon. Kraken's doing it soon. Today, actually, probably by the time this airs, they're locked. Um, so nothing's transferable. And then the main net is going to launch, but even after it launches, tokens are still frozen and locked, but they're locked in their new EOS wallets, which were, were just generated when, when you registered your keys. Right. So they don't become transferable until a consensus of 15% of the holders can be reached. Correct. Um, so th- that's pretty likely to happen, though, because I, I don't know uh, how, how many tokens all of the big players hold. Uh, is Block One abstaining from voting on this? Or Block One has only said that they reserve their right to vote. I would be, I would highly doubt that they will vote in this initial unlock period because okay. they kind of want to let the community come to consensus and launch the chain. But they have said that they reserve the right to vote with their ten percent in the future. Okay, and just just for those listening, Block One, they're they're the company uh, who, who built the software and are currently going to be developing it for a long time. Um, and they own a 10% stake in the, of all the tokens. It's a hundred million tokens that they have, uh, they, they own, I believe they're under a 10 year vesting period. Yeah. So it's a 10 year vesting period with a one year cliff, which means they get 1% of those 10% every year for 10 years. So even if they wanted to vote this weekend, they could potentially only vote with, uh, a hundred or 10 million tokens. No, that's the interesting catch is that I believe their entire 100 million can be voted. They just can't be transferred out of their wallet and sold Okay. until those those cliffs are hit. Okay. What about uh, like for bandwidth and capacity and stuff? So if they launch their own dApps, like yeah, I think we they keep can, speculating they're going to do a social network or something. Yeah. So, I, I believe that they can use those to stake for bandwidth also. So it's kind of a way to let them use the full 10% without being able to transfer it or sell it to anybody. But er, early on in the network, there shouldn't be capacity issues. With very no. few tokens, you could stake them and run any dApp you want. Most likely. Most likely, yeah, because the, there aren't going to be a ton of dApps at launch. Um, I did see a really cool info, infographic uh, recently about I don't know, two dozen or so that are planning on launching sometime in June, which would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, will be the first real test of the network to see how it how it handles those few dozen dApps. But I guess getting back to my original point is 15% of tokens, even without beat, uh, Block 1's tokens, I, I think that that's doable. Um, just just between the whales alone and I agree. the Korean exchanges and all, all these major exchanges that have made their announcements, that they, they have been pretty transparent saying they're absolutely not going to vote with other people's tokens, but you know that they own a lot of tokens themselves. I mean, they, they collect a, a fee every time a trade is made. Just from those fees alone, they, they own a ton of EOS. 
Um, interestingly enough, this morning I saw that Bitfinex did an, uh, an AMA on Reddit. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. They're uh, clarifying a lot of things. They're going to have a voting tool on Bitfinex that should be ready within seven days. So it might not be ready oh, great. for uh, the main net, like the pre-launch, the, the, that phase we were just talking about. But after uh, everything's going, within about seven days, they estimate, they're going to have some sort of voting protocol built in that you'll, you'll be able to, to vote with your tokens while holding them on the exchange. That's fantastic. Uh, they also added some clarifications about what they plan to do with EOS Finex. And it was interesting that they said there's not going to be any registrations. Uh, then someone chimed in and said, does that mean that U.S. citizens are allowed to use it? And they, they gave an iffy answer. But the fact that they're not doing registrations, they, they could say you, you can't do something, but you, you, yeah. they, they left it pretty open. Well, and that's the beauty of decentralized exchanges is that there's really no way to stop people from registering because it's decentralized. Um, just reading through it, some other important stuff. They are going to honor um, any legitimate chain. Their main focus is the the main net that everyone is going to uh, agree upon being the main net. So talk about that because all, there's some sort of agreement among the block producers yeah. that they're not going to maybe not get voted in and be like, screw you guys, I'm going home. Exactly. <laughs> and starting their own. So it's about 100 different block producers, ourselves included, that have come together and said, hey, we want to launch one mainnet. We're all incentivized to launch one mainnet. We want all the dApps on the same mainnet. We just want this to be EOS. We don't want to have EOS and EOS Cash, for example. <laughs> so we've all come together and signed this agreement. And the, I guess, most promising part of this agreement is that for the longest time, I had been speculating that we would probably see an Asia-specific EOS fork that you know all the Asian block producers would get together and just kind of launch their fork because there's a ton of EOS over there. It's, it's happened with other chains before. Um, but fortunately, they've all signed on as well. So it really is truly this global commitment to launch and support one chain, whether or not, as a block producer, we get voted in. So Block One's been putting out a lot of warning statements lately, and this is another warning for those listening, is there's going to be forks of other chains launched but some of them are going to be fraudulent. Yeah. So you you made this wallet pair, and and to do anything with your tokens on it, either the main chain or these fork chains, your 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 same private key is going to work for all of them. So what you could potentially see is a fork launch uh, an EOS chain, and they're going to call themselves the main net, and they're going to probably be tweeting like crazy and trying yeah. to message you on Telegram and telling you that this is the official network, because what they want you to do is they want you to input your private keys, and if they have your private keys on their crap fork that's going to last two days, they could take those private keys on the real main net yeah. and take all your tokens. And that's the main thing, is before you import your private keys anywhere, you're going to want to check as many sources as possible to make sure that you're importing into the real main net, into the real scatter app. So uh, my advice to everybody is just to wait. If you're unsure, just wait. Your tokens are still going to be there. You're going to wait to unlock them. But follow a bunch of different block producers on Twitter. You can follow us at CypherglassBP. Follow EOS New York. Follow all these other guys who are going to be the ones coming out and saying, hey, here's the main net. And all the block producers should be tweeting, yes, this is the main net. I don't know. Honestly, unless you're in a hurry to start moving tokens, you're able to verify that your tokens were mapped correctly through various tools. Yep. So you know that you did it correctly. As long as you registered correctly, just wait it out. Honestly, give it a couple days you, in, until I hear Dan Larimer herself tell me like which one's the main net. <laughs> and that's I'm an interesting point. Anything. I don't think that Dan. Oh, they can't. Yeah. I don't think that Dan or Block One will ever say this is the main net, but they will do it in another way, which is their DApps that they're funding through all these VC partnerships will just happen to launch on the same main chain. That that brings me up to uh, something interesting. So so far, 
publicly announced there's there's only been one funded DAP through the EOS VC program. And the EOS VC program is basically a program developed by Block One where they're distributing a billion dollars in funds to various VC funds, and then they're allowing the VC funds to handle how they want to distribute that to, to DAP developers. And it's like, kind of like an ICO model, but different because they're, they're being funded through Block One's money which they gave to the VCs, yeah. which is going to these development teams to build whatever they want to build or, or, or for other things too. It could go towards building incubators, accelerators, educational programs. But um, Galaxy Digital was the, the first fund announced, right? They were the first one? Um, I think so. That was the big Korea news, right? I think it was Tomorrow BC came out before Galaxy Okay. Digital. Anyway. One Either of way, it was first, one yeah. of the first ones. I, I think it was for $325 million. Yep. And they've officially uh, announced their funding of $30 million to Everopedia, which we've talked about uh, many times here, um, made by a group of developers. And uh, is Larry Sanger in, in charge, or what, what's his role? Larry them? Sanger, I believe, came on as, as some kind of advisor or team member, but he is the co-founder of Wikipedia. He wrote the, the Wikipedia some kind of document for it, but but he was one of the main people who started and founded Wikipedia and sees all of the problems that it has now and is trying to solve those issues with Everpedia, which is basically a decentralized, community-run Wikipedia. So what was interesting is I was kind of just trolling around on the internet, and there, there's a website called Crunchbase, and typically it's used to kind of monitor uh, different uh, venture funds and where, where different money's going. So I was on the Galaxy Digital page, and there, there's only three transactions re recorded on this page. The funds received, which was $325 million from Block One. That's how Galaxy Digital w w was formed on here. It shows the $30 million given to a company called Everypedia in a Series A funding uh, on February 8th, 2018. But there was, there was something else listed on there that no one's uh, discussed. And I think this is probably the first time a lot of people are going to hear about this. And you could verify it on Crunchbase yourself. But there's an organization called BotChain that was funded $5 million by Galaxy Digital, yep. which was funded by Block One. So I, I think we might have our uh, second official EOS Block One Galaxy Digital funded DAP. So I took this information I found, and I, I wanted to figure out who, who BotChain was. And I actually found out that th they did a private ICO round, and we've actually d done some, done some uh, partnership with them. I think we did a, an ICO report for them at, yeah. here at ICO Alert. Um, so I, I was reading around their, their CEO, his name's Rob May. He, he's written a lot of blog posts. And a couple months ago, he said something about how the Ethereum network might not be scalable enough. So he said he'd be open to moving to either Tezos or EOS. And he, named, he called them out specifically. Wow. So I took some screenshots of this stuff <laughs> and I went to their Telegram group and I called them out. I was like, are you guys moving to EOS? Yeah. And they didn't deny it. Huh. But they didn't confirm it either. Yeah. So I, I got in touch with Rob May, their CEO, and I'm actually going to be interviewing him next Wednesday morning. Um, and depending on his answers, we're either going to play some of the interview on next week's Everything EOS, or if it doesn't, if if this is just fake news, I'm not sure, but I, I think it's going to be legit. I'm, I'm hoping he'll make the official announcement on the podcast. Yeah, That'd that's really awesome. Cool. Um, but I'm, I'm going to talk to him next week. And whether he's officially ready to announce he's moving to EOS or if he's just considering it, uh, he will be discussing uh, his relationship with Galaxy Digital and how that all panned out. Nice. So I'm, I'm really curious to hear that because you, you would think Galaxy Digital would have 
some way of like kind of pushing them towards EOS. Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially since Galaxy Digital, well, Galaxy Digital themselves, I guess, has a number of different funds, but the EOSIO ecosystem fund is what it looked like had given them five million dollars. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and Botchain just to give a, they're in a like a bot AI type company, and they're doing identity verification. Uh, and certification for those bots. So if you think about it, every person in the world has one identity, and there's a lot of different companies trying to solve digital identity on blockchain. Uh, Civic's one of them. Uh, there's there's a bunch of them, but they're all trying to solve that problem. But now there's there's a problem with all these bots, like. Uh, if, if there's going to be bots uh, like handling medical records or private information, you, you want to make sure that you're not giving it to a fake bot. Like if, if let's just say Google had a, a group of bots that did some sort of work, I want to know that it's an actually a Google-owned bot and oh, not just some random one. So it, the, the concept kind of makes sense to me. Uh, I, I'm definitely not, not qualified to dig into it much deeper, but I, we'll, we'll go over that more next week. There's yeah. way, way bigger. Well, uh, and, and props to you for, for sleuthing around and finding yeah, that. Cause the, the screenshots you were sending me were like, Oh wow, this actually might be the next investment that they come out I with. Maybe they'll do an airdrop. I, we'll see. I, I, I don't see any other way around this, especially when they didn't deny it when I called yeah. them out on it. And they, they said <laughs> they're, they're still wanting to use Ethereum. They, they're, they're expecting it to scale properly. But well, and especially when other people like BTOKEN, for example, who got confused with this tweet that Brendan Bloomer, the CEO of Block One, sent out about BTOKEN announcement coming to mm-hmm. EOS or something like that. And it was really a, a different company, B Social, that I guess we'll talk about. But BTOKEN immediately denied it. They were like, no, that's not us. Yeah, and I, you got it. You got I think wrong. Bloomer, he deleted that tweet, right? Yeah, he did. Because it caused enough controversy. It was just so funny. I don't know if it was a, a coincidence, but Brock Pierce that morning had tweeted out something about bees going extinct. And then like six hours later, <laughs> Brendan Bloomer tweeted this thing about <laughs> bee token and everybody was like, oh, what's going on? And it, it, so, it turned out to be nothing. I thought it had maybe something to do with wax because beeswax. Oh, wax interesting. Token. And it still might be. But yeah. my theory is that, um, so there's a hackathon uh, coming up. Is that next week or is it the week after? Oh wow, that's next week. Yeah, so the global hackathon starting next Friday. Um, there, there, there's going to be uh, four different hackathons over the course of the uh, the rest of this year, and the first one uh, for the US hackathons next week in is it Korea, Hong Kong, Hong Kong, um, and there, there's actually five. I believe five finalists selected to, to be part of it. And one of them is called B social B E E social. So whenever uh, bloomer is talking about B tokens, uh, I, I think he could have potentially been just talking about B social because yeah. they're like a, a volunteer, like social good blockchain type thing. And I mean, it, the block one team is all about that. Bro- Brock's not with them anymore, yeah. but I'd say Brock was the biggest advocate of that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I'm so excited for the hackathon. It's, it's yeah. something I forgot about, and I think a lot of community members probably forgot about also. Like the first hackathon is coming right here next week yeah. in June, and then shortly thereafter, I think it's a month and a half later. They have another one, a month and a half later, another one, leading up to the main event later this year. I mean, we, we've seen hackathons for for years on Ethereum. Every every year they have the Waterloo one, uh, and like we've seen projects come out of that 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 are pretty well known projects at yeah. this point. It's just so exciting because like we are right now in the final period of the EOS token distribution of their major ICO. And I remember at period one going, wow, I wonder what it's going to be like at period 350 with all the stuff that we've learned, all the different announcements. And we're finally here. And now to to know that we're a week away from seeing real projects getting built on this in a weekend in a hackathon, is it's so exciting. I'm so mm-hmm. excited for launch just to, to see what happens after and to see all the cool data. 
dApps that are going to be built on this platform. Yeah, ba- Bancor was actually uh, built out of a hackathon yeah. competition, and now is doing the entire, or is I guess the backbone for the RAM trading model. Yeah, on EO, so it's pretty it's, cool. Yeah, it's crazy to see how that happens. I mean, ha- hackathons are really, really cool outside of blockchain too. Any type of development, you get so much done in a, a weekend. It's just yeah. like forty-eight straight hours of just code. And, Absolutely, and really smart people together with great mentors and advisors, and you get a lot of stuff done really quickly. And that's a good point to mention. The if you know you're interested in these hackathons, maybe you've been in crypto for a while, maybe you haven't. It's not just for coders. A lot of these teams also need. I think this was something you were telling yeah, me. Yeah, like business analysts, yeah. like marketing people. designers. They need they need everybody who would be involved in building some kind of DAP to participate in these. So if you're interested in participating, check them out. It's uh, eoshackathon.io is the website, the official Block One hackathon website. Let's see. There, there's some FUD. There, there, there's probably going to be constant FUD. I'm, I'm expecting FUD like crazy over the next at least couple weeks. 100%. Um, and it's that, so crazy to see all the like major Bitcoin maximalists, if you can call them that, coming out and just hating on EOS. Nick Sabo, um, I forget the other guy's name, but a bunch of them are coming out and basically saying all this horrible shit about EOS. CNBC put out an article yesterday that kind of called it vapor where they're like, this company raised $4 billion and has nothing to show, but but they're launching this weekend. Yeah, and <laughs> it's, it's like, well, then they have something to show. <laughs> the, the figures are wrong anyway. I believe now it's well over $5 billion. So, like, <laughs> to, they're trying to be an authority in the space saying, look at these people who haven't raised anything but can't even get the, the correct number. So, And I, I think what a lot... So, I, I've heard a lot of people mention, I've even thought it myself, like, why does an ICO need billions of dollars. You don't. And I don't, I don't think they set out to do that either. Like it just happened. And it, you got to think of it like this though. You're not, it's not just one ICO that's funded. So, so far we know of at least a billion dollars being funded into these VCs who are eventually going to fund them into these dApps. And if you think of each dApp as its own little mini ICO, it, it, those billions of dollars are actually going to fund thousands of ICOs. So we, we talked about this yesterday, Rob. Um, Everipedia, they, they they were the first. Do you hear this? Yeah, it's, it's it sounds like birds. There's like a bird attack outside. It sounds like a bunch of people screaming. Uh, I mean, we're already across from the. We're recording this in a different room than we typically do, and there's a children's museum across the street. That's probably what it is. They're probably having like a field yeah, trip and research. There's a guy on a bench down there, very calmly eating a bag of chips. So I think we're okay. <laughs> we can continue. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh, so the ICO. It, it's like they're funding, going to fund thousands of ICOs. Yeah. And what was interesting was when we were talking about botchain, how, how I found them on that crunch base. And Everipedia was funded $30 million, which is a typical raise for a lot of the more well-established ICOs, more Definitely. legitimate ones. Raising $30 million isn't out of the norm. But what was interesting was Botchain was only funded $5 million. And I like that model. Oh, absolutely. Because I don't, working even with ICOs today, I don't understand why they need so much Money up front. Um, I know Vitalik's uh, put put some ratings out about a better model for for token distributions where it's done in phases, and that's more typical of how current investments work. You got your seed round, your Series A, then your Series B, and you go through these different phases of funding, and the valuations go up as you you prove your value. Yeah. And I'm I'm hoping that's the the direction that they're headed here by only funding five million dollars because that's enough that's seed money that's enough money to get your find your market fit, uh, get a, get an MVP built, yep, uh, get get the get the right team together and, and show some value, and then potentially to to go along with the airdrops that's when that could be their bigger fundraiser yeah. is they get this five million dollars of 
initial funding from a, one of the EOS VCs. That's enough money to, to, to get their beta going, get, check for, uh, like, figure out if the community is going to support this, mm-hmm. figure out if there's a market fit. And then maybe six months, a year later, they're ready to start thinking about the airdrop. Yeah. That way there's already kind of a value built into this token because the company kind of built value into itself already. Well, and that's the beauty of these airdrops. There, there are going to be a ton of airdrops that are frankly going to be worthless because people are airdropping tokens before they have a product. Maybe the idea is horrible, but what airdrops are going to do, going to do in this airdrop funding model specifically, I think is going to do is reward the people who have actually put in the work and built a good product, whether it's an MVP or a full stage product that they're ready to release. The market is going to reward those people by valuing their token for more money. But there's one cool thing about airdrops that I didn't talk about in that Million Dollar EOSBED video that I wanted to touch on, which is that over time... So we've seen with ICOs, for example, a common percentage that a team will keep for themselves of tokens is 30%. So they'll distribute 70% in an ICO, and they'll keep 30% for themselves. But there's really no incentive for those people to ever sell a significant portion of those tokens. And just follow me throughout this. With the airdrop funding model, their funding is locked up in those tokens. And what I think a cool side effect that we're going to see from that is that over time, the pool of token holders will be further decentralized when that company, in order to get their funding, has to slowly liquidate some of their own tokens. So they go from holding 20% of the tokens down to 10%, down to 5%, to whatever percent they want. But in in a lot of these dApps where tokens give you some kind of voting power, like a Veripedia, for example, that's a good thing for the health of the platform because it further decentralizes the ownership of all those tokens. Mm. Yeah, I mean, with the current ICO model, you think about it, uh, sometimes I feel like ICOs are, a lot of times, I feel like ICOs are greedy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because think about it like this. If I'm going to raise $10 million, I'm going to collect $10 million worth of ETH and I'm also keeping 30% of my, my tokens. Yep. So it's like you're double dipping. Whereas with the airdrop model, you, you might get $5 million in USD, not even necessarily crypto or in EOS, might be. Um, but you get that initial funding, but then all of your future funding is your own token. So like you said, you got to liquidate slowly and, and only cover yeah. your costs in a way. Exactly. So you, you have to rely on that value going up. Oh, absolutely. And and those people have to continue putting value into that product in order to continue to realize that value and get that value out of the tokens. It's not like an ICO where they can raise it. $100 million they and then say, fuck this, we're out, we don't care, and the token goes to zero. Yeah, they, they have to earn it. Yeah, exactly. Which And you, you typically see with ICOs, so a lot of them have a, a lockup period on, on their own tokens. So what motivates them to, to kind of maintain their community throughout this like one or two year lockup period when they can't even do anything with their tokens? So their motivations don't really hit until they could actually use their tokens. Whereas yeah. with the airdrop model, they might not be locked up because the company needs funds, but it's in their best interest to only sell what, what they need to to run their company and, and exactly. build their community. And then they benefit when they add more value because they're the biggest beneficiary, the biggest token holder, mm-hmm. and it goes from there. It's pretty exciting. So, and, and as far as airdrops, like you said, there's, they're, they're not all going to... I'd say the, the most valuable ones are going to be the VC-backed oh, 100%. airdrops. Absolutely. The Everpedias of the world and yep. possibly the bot chains. We'll see what happens with that, but... 
Um, well, I'm giving them a lot of free promotion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to see, though, on the Everpedia note, to see how many tokens they give you per EOS. Because they've sort of teased that they may be going above the one-to-one ratio, where you may get 10 IQ tokens for every one EOS you hold, just because for their token economics, they need a greater supply to be able mm-hmm. to reward people over and over again for submitting and curating articles. Um, but who knows? We may If, if you have 1,000 EOS, you may end up with 10,000 IQ. Yeah, I'm curious to see... like the initial evaluations when it hits like exchanges because that's a really risky time to be buying or selling yeah because the market hasn't decided on a price yet yeah you, you might look like the biggest genius or the greatest fool <laughs> it, and it's going to be cool with uh, especially a lot of these exchanges coming out and saying hey we're going to support the legitimate airdrops iq token i think is from a Verpedia, i think is one that bitfinex in a different ama somebody was pointing I, to me i think it was in this one definitely, did they explicitly they yeah. said definitely iq binance see that's so exciting something about like all the all the major ones and iq is the most major uh airdrop yeah for sure well and that's what's it's going to be so cool to see that price discovery happen right out the gate to see mm-hmm. what these things are, are worth and see what happens so i i think this is another good, good time to, to warn everyone listening about scams this next week a couple of days are, are going to be the most scammy times you're going to see because everyone's expecting these airdrops so I think what we're going to see is someone saying, oh, we're doing an airdrop, but we're only doing it on this chain. Sign up for this chain to get these free tokens. And you, you, if you're not smart about it, you're going to go to that chain and you're going to give up your private key. And when you give up your private key, like I said earlier, you're giving it up for all of the different chains. Yep. So everyone just, just be really, really careful. I recommend doing nothing. Yeah. Just, just watch the official EOS Twitter. Well, and that's an important note is that the majority of these airdrops, really all of the good airdrops that you even want, you don't have to to do anything. They require no action. They're just going to going to appear in your EOS wallet on the mainnet. So if you see something that says, hey, claim your tokens this way or, or take this action to get whatever the thing may be, a new token, more EOS, it's probably a scam. So if you see anything about, hey, import your tokens here and, and double up your EOS, oh, this is block one, we're doing a promotion, give us this to get that, just don't do it. Call's advice is perfect. Just do nothing. Just wait to see what happens. Wait for the, the community to kind of validate um, the, the main chain and go from there. The other thing is, I guess, setting everyone's expectations. Because I saw this with EOS DAC, like, as soon as the snapshot happened, it was like, Everyone's like, where's my free tokens? Yeah. And you're, you're not going to get them right away. Yeah. I think Everpedia pinned a message in their Telegram. It said, expect them mid to late June. Yeah, I think they said by June 15th. So they will go off of the Genesis snapshot. Unless something happens with that, they will they said they would take a new snapshot after that. But they'll likely go off the Genesis snapshot, and then you'll get your tokens by June 15th. So be patient. They'll be listed on Bitfinex. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter how many warnings we send out. I can guarantee at least the US price channel is going to be filled with people saying, where's my free token? A hundred percent. People will always be asking <laughs> where airdrop, but yet they, they don't even understand what an airdrop is or how they usually work to know that they don't come instantly. And one of the cool things about airdrops on EOS that we didn't mention is that uh, on Ethereum, when EOS DAC did that massive airdrop to all these token holders, they spent some exorbitant amount of money, like 30 or $40,000 wow. just in gas fees to send them all out. But on EOS, you could even just buy one token and lock it up and then slowly trickle out the airdrops for free. Mm-hmm. Or you could, if you're Everpedia and you have 100,000 EOS, you might be able to send all the eardrops instantly. Hmm. 
So uh, last thing before we wrap up is the bug bounty because that, that, that was the cause of some FUD because yeah. there is, what was it, a Chinese company, something 360? Some kind of Chinese company, Security 360, something like that, came out and said that they had found a critical bug in the EOS software, which I believe was true, but the yeah. bug had already been fixed 16 hours prior. I've seen the <laughs> GitHub commit myself from Dan Larimer himself. Um, it was all already fixed. But as a note to everybody, you're going to see more bugs. However... It's because there is a live bug bounty. So when you see these bugs, they're being fixed before then before they're announced to the community. And one of the good things about EOS is that even if there is some kind of a critical bug after the validation period, after the mainnet launch, the nature of EOS is that those bugs can generally be very easily undone. It's not like Ethereum where you have to hard fork out to fix a bug. That protocol, the core EOS code, can be updated without you having to do anything. Yeah, to to expect software to be completely bug free on day one is insane. Yeah. Now, now you want to try to solve as many of the critical like security bugs you possibly can, and that's what they're trying to do. So, Block One put out an official bounty of ten thousand dollars per qualifying bug. Yep, at, and that's at their discretion. But you, you got to think they're the most talented white hat hackers in the blockchain space. They stand to gain a lot more by by finding these bugs, getting notoriety for themselves for discovering them, collecting that ten thousand dollars, than they would for taking advantage of that bug. Like look at oh, look yeah. at the DAO hack. Like it completely. ETC is the original Ethereum. Yeah, and they're like sitting at like fifteen dollars. Yeah, exactly. And the 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 fork of Ethereum is the official Ethereum now. Yeah, and it's valued at over or under five six hundred wherever it is today. Yeah, I don't have any Ethereum anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what's I, I, Ethereum? I keep like twenty five dollars for my transaction fees. Yeah, for gas fees. It'll be nice to uh, once the token freeze happens to be able to liquidate that sixty dollars in in Ether and just be done with it. <laughs> Yeah, so so the bug bounty is a good thing, um, and and like you don't the, the general public doesn't understand that this is normal. Yeah. But the fact that they're finding bugs is good. Oh, it's fantastic! Yeah. Especially that they're finding them before launch and fixing them very very quickly before launch. And EOS themselves, from their official Twitter, um, even put out a statement saying media has incorrectly reported that there is a a mainnet launch delay. We're still on track to release EOS IO one point I mean, Man, that, that that Chinese security group. I think they put out like an official post saying they found the blog, and that's like for the notoriety. You're yeah, exactly. a white hat hacking group who looks for these kind of security flaws. So like they were proud that they found that bug. They weren't. Oh fud- yeah. They weren't fudding you. They're like, we found this bug. We're good at what we do. And so many times, this all stems from a mistranslation, which was the case again this time, where they had quoted Dan in saying, "We won't launch until this is fixed," which is true, but it had already been fixed when they put their post out. But <laughs> all people saw was, "We won't launch," oh, the fud- and freaked fudster out. Their bloggers jumped on it. Man. Exactly. Like, oh, critical bug found in EOS. That's good because <laughs> it hasn't launched. Yet. Yeah, exactly. And you think about it, like Ethereum in what was it, 2014? It was pretty much strapped together with duct tape like they're lucky that their main net even launched at that point because it it was well and i have to say seeing and this is a point that adriana our community manager at cypherclass made seeing what it takes to launch and coordinate the launch of a global blockchain now i have so much respect for anybody who has launched a blockchain in the past even if it was a small shitcoin that launched your own blockchain Hats off to you because this this is not an easy process. It's a very complex process, and seeing sort of the inner workings of it through Cipher Glass, it's it's pretty crazy. 
So I, I guess before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to add about what's going on with Cypherglass or the BP community as a whole? Yeah, one uh, one announcement we have from Cypherglass, we just invested in F5 Silverline DDoS protection. So F5 is like the main DDoS company worldwide. DDoS is basically a spam attack on your servers. Somebody's going to come in and try to shut our block producer down. But because we partner with F5 and put out a shit ton of money to partner with them, uh, we're not going to go down. So our block producer, Cypherglass, if you're looking for somebody to keep the EOS mainnet online, keep it secure and listen to you, the token holder, uh, vote for Cypherglass. We'll be there in the voting portals and you can come cast your vote our way. All right. I guess that's a good time to wrap it up. So the next time you listen to us, we'll be talking about the new mainnet launch and yeah. how great everything's going. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully I'll have some good news about another potential uh, officially VC funded DAP, but we'll see on that. Still speculative. Absolutely. And I think that's a good place to wrap up. Uh, I'm Rob Finch. And I'm Zach Gall, and this is Everything EOS. Thank you.